What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, March 6, 2023, and this week's episode, imagine that. We'll talk about a loaded UFC 285, the return of John Jones, the upset of Valentina Shevchenko by Alexa Grasso, and so much more. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, BKFC making big moves as they announce a big card for April 29th, and we'll preview this Saturday's MMA action, the return of former champion Peter Yan against the surging Marab Duvalishvili. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Double G, welcome back from Vegas. Thank you. I was uh, taking uh, screenshots of my TV every time I saw you on the uh, Embedded, so I hope you enjoyed me sending you those. Um, it seemed like you uh, you had a good time. Thank you, thank you. No, I appreciate it always. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Um, you know, it, the thing about that week, everyone was talking about it, all the Vegas locals. Like, I get there and there's like a nice coat of snow on the mountains. Mm. And if you look, I went to Vegas two years ago and it was like the record breaking heat in Las Vegas. So the idea of this place in the middle of the desert getting snow did feel a little day after tomorrow ish, okay. I'm being honest. But, you know, so outside of that, it was obviously a loaded week. There was a very clear anticipation that I think really, ha- you know, look, all those Vegas fights, they try to load them, make them big. I'd be lying if I said it didn't feel a level of special for John Jones. So I-, I will say that it was quite the week. What about it for you? What was it like to experience it from the comfort of your own home? Yeah, it was, it was actually fun because... The embeddeds looked a little different than they have in a long time with the fan base, the turnouts for the heavyweight, you know, Q&A even for the the um, press conference and, you know, the appearance that John Jones made at um, Culture Club, I think it was. Culture Kings, like, yeah. Culture Kings, thank you. Culture Club is um, Boy George, <laughs> dating myself. Um, so it was great to see huge turnouts, excited fan base. And they were all there for John Jones. Like every single one of those people that was happy and excited and screaming was there for John Jones. So, you know, the man is still a big star in case anyone doubted it or wondered. And I think it's an all around good thing for the UFC to have a big name back, especially knowing that behind him is, you know, Conor McGregor on the heels, potentially, well, supposed to be fighting this year. We just don't have a day yet. So, it just felt kind of a little bit like old times in a good way. So that was fun for me. I will say, I think since COVID, even with International Fight Week, this did feel like Fourth of July last week was big. This one, I will say, was the most that I remember 2019. Like when I when I was there for Jones and Santos, this week felt like that. The level of fans out there and everything else that just the genuine level of excitement you know i i will say I, I could feel it um the week itself is just big like i said everything kind of funneled into that one moment is it or is it not the return of the goat and that's exactly what we got in terms of the fight itself you know taking on cyril gun a guy who'd only ever lost to francis Ngannou, guy who had knocked out tai tuivasa Derek lewis um, you know, Junior Dos Santos, the list goes on, you know, decisioned Alexander Volkov on the feet in a technical battle. And the fight goes out there and automatically there's a little bit, you know, low blow kind of like immediately like shakes up the momentum. Both guys said they were fine, just said it just kind of happened, but it didn't really mess it too much, which I thought it kind of would have. It's like that's the moment of the fight where all the energy is really at a max right and then you know we kind of get out there it's a little bit of a stick and move no one's really connecting on big shots everyone's you know john i think is doing all right to just move and react with cyril cyril still finding his groove and picking his spots you know cyril finds himself out of position john kind of rushes him into the fence gets it down, you know, takes the back, kind of, you know, trips him. And then Cyril isn't being like, you know, he's not flat on his back. He's not in trouble like when Habib's on top of you. But then you just see the length of John's arms and just straight up kind of gets him against the fence. 
and on the for you you see the same broadcast i do on screen it doesn't look like he has it i think it felt more like he was just controlling the arm and neck to you know keep the position and then when you see the replay he actually had those hands locked in under the chin gets the tap at 2 minutes of the first round uh, what else can you say it looked like easy work for john jones now becomes you know, i believe he's the 6th 5th or 6th uh two division champion in ufc history uh claims the heavyweight title still undefeated since it might be 2008 or 9 um maybe 10 uh in the eyes of a lot of people kind of reaffirmed his goat status in the sport of mixed martial arts i mean what was your reaction it was too easy and and as a result for me disappointing and then a little embarrassing i think i felt embarrassment for silagon and you know, I'm sure he felt it too. I think his his strongest, the strongest emotion he was um, projecting in the post fight was anger, and that makes sense too because you know he didn't even have a chance to think about making a move, and it was over. And then you know, disappointing because it was over so fast. You wanted to see something. John Jones, it's even hard to say he looked great. He himself admitted on the feet he was a little shaky. That's exactly what I was thinking before it ended up, you know, against the cage. I thought he kind of looked terrible. You know, that was being a little harsh probably. <laughs> it wasn't enough time to really make such an assessment. But he looked stiff for sure. So what would have happened if the fight had gone even around? I kind of wish John Jones had just let it go a little bit longer just to see because I don't think he was going to be in danger on the feet if he had you know, allowed it to stay there. Okay. Um, but all in all, I was, it was just too fast, man. Like I, I can't say that I'm happy or sad or mad or anything. It's just like, I wanted to see more from both of them. Now, when I think about Cyril gone, he says he had five weeks, you know, not the longest amount of time, but still a lot of time. No, not five weeks. Is that right? I don't know, but he was talking about time. And um, he had more time than that. How much time would you need to be a, have enough wrestling pedigree, wrestling education to not be finished that quickly? I don't even think you could do it in a training camp, right? It would probably take a, a couple of years to, to reframe your body. And, and like he said, the reflex. He has to you know, develop the reflex, and he doesn't have it yet. So all in all, disappointed. But obviously, a great moment for John Jones, a great moment for the UFC heavyweight division. I got to tell you, though, the whole time I'm thinking, like, oh man, what's DC thinking? I bet he's at peace with it. But, like, you know, he's had that moment too. And the better John Jones does at heavyweight, I wonder if DC worries that people will forget about all the great things he did at heavyweight. Probably not. I won't. But, um, I just feel like a, a rivalry like that, you never stop being a little bit bitter. What do you think? I mean, uh, I will say this. If DC was bitter, he hit it very well. Of course, I think he's that, a professional, um, man. Yeah, I, I thought, um, I, I think that Daniel Cormier, just as a brief side note, uh, one, I'm aware that he is not there yet. It's kind of like if you saw the press conference, like Cyril gone, it's like, wait, is he LeBron already? And it's like, all right, let's like, he's good, but let's calm down. Yeah, exactly. I do think that Cormier is, I I believe he sees it. I think if you were to ask him, you know, no cameras, you know, personally, I think he wants to inhabit that space that Charles Barkley does in sports media. He's this decorated pro, has the credentials, but I think he's just trying to occupy that comedy space for MMA and probably wants to branch out. And I think that's why, you know, I, I love the weigh-in show. I think it's some of the best content we have. He's out there always cheating at all the games they play. And there's a good level of like comedy and affability, which I think that he's just trying to inhabit. And I do think that lends itself to the fact that, like, hey, I'm not out there trying to be, you know, like, I, I felt like he wasn't trying to inject himself into the story. Right. And I appreciated that. And I think that lends itself, you know, not that Charles Barkley hasn't, but I think he also sees it as like, hey, just 
go out there, have fun, and enjoy my job. Obviously, everyone knows we have history. I can't avoid it. But I think that that's kind of where he's trying to inhabit when you watch his content, when you listen to him and all that. You know, I think he there's funny DC, but then he also tries to also be, you know, Olympic captain, two-time champion, decorated analyst DC. And the balance is kind of a whole thing, right? Yeah. Like Dominic Cruz. Oh, he's great. He doesn't watch film and it's like, oh my God, it's a whole thing. Anyway, but back to the fight itself. I, I get what you're saying. I, I Sitting there, I wanted more. I think everyone was like, oh, that was awesome. But it's like, wait, that's it? It's time to go home? Like, already? You know, I, I get it because we were waiting so long for this moment. And kind of like, maybe not to the same extent, Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo. Yeah. But after all that hype, you want a little more meat to the sandwich. So... I completely get that, and I think that's a fair emotion. Let's talk about this. So, to address the elephant in the room, Dana White said in no uncertain terms they are out of the Francis Ngannou business. They are not entertaining the prospect of him coming back. I'm going to just say this bluntly. If the perfect world is written for Francis Ngannou, he fights Tyson Fury, and he catches him with that Hail Mary and puts him down, UFC would definitely revisit uh, the idea of Ngannou versus Jones. Of course. Period. Outside of that, I can tell you with full confidence, listening to them, understanding Ngannou, the ship has just sailed. I think Ngannou sees a different chapter of his life coming up with boxing, maybe PFL, maybe a one or Bellator should they throw money. But I think, you know, he's in it to maybe box a Deontay or Tyson if he can, make that money, and then explore what he wants to do at his own pace. For UFC, they have their business, and they've stood their ground. They drew the line in the sand. They had different, you know, both of them wanted different things. They separated. Now you move on. Dana White kind of admitted as such that John Jones, it's kind of like Michael Chandler, not here for a long time, but a good time. You have a superstar back like you acknowledged, and now they're already lining it up. John Jones, Stipe Miocic. If you ask me, it couldn't have been happening for a better time for Jones. Looked great, didn't take too much damage, now has just more time to work on everything as a heavyweight, see, feel how his body performed. At the same time, you're getting Stipe long layoff, um... Obviously, has had a few injuries, you know, that eye and everything following the Cormier fights, uh, a little bit older. Still has that status as one of the best heavyweights in the world from his pedigree. I think it just makes sense all across. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. And there, who else, who's a bigger name after now in heavyweight division after John Jones than Stipe Miocic? So it 100% makes sense. He's part of this, you know, top-tier heavyweight story we've been watching for the last four, five years. That includes Cormier, included Derek Lewis for a little bit, Francis Ngannou, now gone. Cyril Ghosn is in there. Even I would even put Tai Tuivasa sort of at the very bottom of that list because he helped propel Cyril Ghosn to the position he was in on Saturday night, that championship um, spot. And then John Jones. So, yeah, Stipe is the number one for sure. I don't know who is the next biggest name after John Jones and Stipe in that division. I think Cyril's going to have to do, hopefully he comes back right away. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't hurt. It's just his ego was hurt. Comes back right away and shows off what he can do. Shows off why we like him, why he got to that, to that spot. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just, those are the two Jones, Miocic, for the next title shot and the only two big names in the division, really. Yeah, I think that, um, like you just said, on the name value, it makes sense. I think when you look at the current lineup of the heavyweight division and where everyone's at, it makes sense. Um, Yeah, nothing really more to add there. Uh, Obviously, for Stipe, this would be huge. If you talk about Stipe, remember, he does have a win over uh, Nganu. If he were to come back and beat John Jones, I mean... Let's revisit his conversation about his place on where he's at on Mount Rushmore, heavyweights and all time and everything. So I do think those are some things to acknowledge. Um, 
obviously they i mean we touched on it sergey pavlovich curtis blades in april that obviously lines up the heavyweight division past stipe so i think that we're in a good place where things are moving along and i want to acknowledge that i mean i've heard some rumors they would have loved to turn these guys around quickly i think that from a business standpoint they all said the right things fourth of july jones stipe I think it's just perfect. I think that if you're John, you want to enjoy this. You want to, you're not in a rush to potentially lose the belt that, you know, there was so much risk involved to get it. And then I think even for Stipe, yeah, take a full camp, really train and prep for this fight because it could be a career. You know, he's already been great, but this is a career defining victory now for Stipe, right? Yeah, yeah. To come back and get it. So I think this would be huge. So that's how I feel about it. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. It would really be the cherry on top. I might walk off into the sunset if I get that win, because what more do you want? You know, you beat DC, you beat uh, John Jones, and you've defended the belt more than any other heavyweight. Like, that's it. I would just slowly walk out of the room and wave my little hat and then go back to the firehouse. <laughs> Uh, dance a little jig on the way oh, yeah, out the door. A little jig, yeah, yeah. Which he encore performance on Friday, by the way. That. I didn't I expect it. Um, for John Jones too, I got the impression that even Dana said, "Hey, this might just be a two for Cyril and Stipe," and I'm like, "Okay, that that's where we're at then p- potentially." But yeah, I think that that would be huge. And you know, are we talking about Curtis or Pavlovich for uh, you know against Stipe or? For a vacant title in December, I don't know, potentially, but I'm going to acknowledge I think that's where we're at right now at heavyweight. So I think it's good times. Before we move on, you know, we talked about, you know, the GOAT discussion, best fighter in the world right now. Mm -hmm. John even admitted he feels like from a technical standpoint, Volkanovski is the best all-around fighter in the world, but just his pedigree still has him like best of all time. I'm going to just toss it to you because obviously there's a lot of factors, picograms, outside the cage, general perception, degree of difficulty. Where do you feel like this puts John Jones, one, all-time GOAT status, and two, in terms of the talent of the guys competing right now, where does he stand, like, you know, number one, number three, etc.? That's a a hard question to answer because we hardly saw anything from him. Yeah. on Saturday night. And what we saw on the feet didn't look great. Okay, just, you know, you call it ring rust. That That's that's fair. Um, and then against the cage, it was kind of too easy. And so, yes, John, John Jones is skilled, a skilled wrestler. He's been wrestling since he was, you know, a, a kid. So, of course, he's going to do well there. But is it that he's so good or that Cyril Gaon is so bad at defending wrestling or a little bit of both? So I'm not going to give too much credit to John Jones uh, as far as you know, where where his position shifts on that list of current top, um, or where he is placed in that position of current top top pound for pound fighters. I mean, you can't put him. You, you just can't put him near Volkanovski for many reasons. Um, all around skill set, rec, you know, recent cage time, um, difficulty of opponent, and so to be nice because of the name, maybe I'll put him in the fifth position. Um, but we need to see more. Like, come on now. We need to see more. Yeah, I think that um, <sighs> I get it. Like all the stuff with the DC, the testing, mm-hmm. I, I will say sometimes it's hard to kind of say, oh, well, you know. Like, for example, Anderson Silva, his stuff happened after the loss to Chris Weidman, right? Yep. And John, after he broke his leg. Yeah, yeah, John, this happened, you know, arguably, you know, DC was arguably never better, even though he went on to win the heavyweight title too. Yep. Um, and that happens, and it's like, sometimes it's like, ah, well, I, I get it. It's general perception. We've talked about this. When I look at it, I take my emotions out of it, and I say it, hey, he had all those fights clean. He had all these performances you know, it's hard for me to say John Jones isn't best of all time. When you talk about the era, the fact, his schedule, I mean, he, at the time at 205, every active 
light heavyweight champion, I believe, he defeated. Yeah. You know, like every former champ, every guy, and, you know, obviously up and comers, you know, Santos, Anthony Smiths, um, Reyes. Reyes, yeah. Yeah, at the time when they were on a roll. So I, I acknowledge all of that, that it's like it, you put it all together, you put a win like Saturday into perspective. It's hard to say he's not best of all time. Uh, skill wise, I mean, re- like respectfully, George St. Pierre had every move in the book. Demetrius Johnson, every move in the book. Volkanovski, you know, I mean, tell me one thing. Outside of one shot stopping power, which Volkanovski has put guys down, I mean, he also has every move in the book, it feels like. So I, I just acknowledge that skill wise, maybe for, you know, the size disparity, heavyweights versus lighter weight classes. There's obviously stylistic difference. That being said, I acknowledge Jones' body of work. But if you ask me, skill for skill, who's probably like the most technical guy, it's still guys like Volk. Yeah. Um, guy like Demetrius is still competing. I acknowledge his skill set too. So uh, that's just where I see it. But you can't tell me a guy doesn't do all that and doesn't deserve to be in a conversation. You know, most guys struggle against that level of opposition. And quite bluntly... The pressure as a superstar is a little bit bigger. And if there's one thing I'll say about Demetrius Johnson, I feel like there was not always as much pressure from externally because he wasn't as big of a star. That's If true. Demetrius loses, not as big as if John Jones hypothetically would have just been knocked out by Dominic Reyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, the world doesn't stop. Uh, the, co- the sports world, you know, let's just say it doesn't stop if that happens to Demetrius Johnson. But for John Jones, yeah, it would be one of the top eight stories on Yahoo. Yes, sure. exactly. I love that reference because I, <laughs> I have Yahoo as my homepage. It's just so diverse enough that I feel like I'm legit getting the major headlines. I of know. The day. I feel the same way. I, you know, it took me a long time to get to, to using you, Yahoo, Yahoo regularly, <laughs> but I do now. And I'm like, good thing, bad thing. I'm like, I don't know. I'm getting the information I want. I don't read the, the if there's something that looks stupid, I don't read it. And, you know, I like it. There you go. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about uh, the woman of the moment. The one who inspired the title, and I'll get into it. <laughs> Alexa Grasso against Valentina. I'm not going to break down the fight. Um, I want to hear your emotions as, uh, you know, I know. Th- th- as that happened. So just hit me with it. I'll hit you with Rip it, it off like a band-aid. I was sitting there, you know, I had my, my passion fruit tea <laughs> as the fight was beginning. As one does when they As watch when they face watch punching. Compod sports, exactly. And uh, I was a little nervous, but not like, you know, back in the day when Ronda Rousey would fight or Conor McGregor at their heights, I would get sick, nervous. I'm standing up in front of the TV watching the whole fight from like, you know, a very close, close position. I was a little more relaxed here. Why? Well, it's Valentina Shevchenko, you know. I'm like, this, this is going to be okay. But... Look, what did I tell you when when uh, Yaya Rodriguez won? I was like, you know, if Alexa Grasso wins, even though I don't ever want Shevchenko to lose, if she wins, how awesome would that be? The three Mexican champions. I, I would put that picture up on my wall, right? When Grasso came out and was, lowered her boxing, you know, got into her boxing stance, I was like, oh, it's going to be trouble. She's going to get leg kicked, and and it's just going to be, you know, Shevchenko's going to piece her, take her apart, piece her apart. But then she just started landing those one-twos and, you know, snapping one-twos from a distance, hurting Shevchenko um, at the very end of her punches. And Grasso's boxing is just beautiful, man. It's just the the coolest, crispest boxing in the game, Um, I'll say, at least in the women's division. But even, you know, it it stands up to, to, to the other divisions, too. So she's doing her thing. Shevchenko doesn't look great, man. Now, we know she starts off a little stiff usually in that upright Muay Thai stance, and that's how she rolls. She's feeling you out. But her defense, her evasion was not great. She was getting hit way more than I would have expected. So I thought, okay, you know, this doesn't look great. I'm getting a little nervous now. Shevchenko is too. She starts taking Grasso down. She wins rounds two and three. It's looking like if she employs this strategy, she's going she's gonna to keep her belt. Um, we all know how it ended. Spinning back kick, Grasso jumps on it. I was blown away by how quickly she jumped on it. I mean, everybody was. And what I loved at the end was how she says, I've practiced this so much, so much, so much. That exact move, and it showed. It paid off. I was really, really happy for Alexa Grasso. 
like over the moon happy. I was my cousin who who grew up in Mexico. I'm sending her pictures. I'm filming my phone like a like a, like an old lady that you know films their phone and sends people videos of their. I'm sorry, filming my TV with my phone and sends people videos of it. Um, so I'm doing all this stuff because I'm really excited, and I'm not too worried about Shevchenko. And I I'll tell you for two reasons. One, the way she tapped, it was angry. I've never seen anyone tap like that. It was hard slap, pause, hard slap. She wasn't desperate. She was angry that she had to give in. Now, her face looked terrible. <laughs> that band of white flesh around her chin where she got the blood, you know, just completely bombed out of her. It didn't look great. But I agree with, with what she said. You know, I made a mistake. I paid for it. I want immediate revenge. She didn't say immediate rematch, immediate revenge, which sounds just like something Valentina Shevchenko would say. So I'm not heartbroken. I think Shevchenko will be back. Now she knows what to do and what not to do. That being said, Alexa Grasso looked freaking amazing. She put on a heck of a show. The game plan was perfect. She executed it perfectly. She stayed composed. She won the freaking belt. She's the champion in a division. Nobody thought there would ever be another champion until Shevchenko retired. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy for her. Yeah, I want to acknowledge. I feel like Shevchenko was actually obviously was ahead in that fight. Was it maybe the blowout people expected, like no. let's say the Lauren Murphy performance? No. That being said, Alexa, for being probably down on the cards, was still with her, still throwing, looking for her spots, trying to minimize the extreme damage coming at her in the fights of Valentina. Obviously, some errors. She found herself on the ground and having to defend uh, a bunch in the early rounds. Um, so once again, like, okay, we knew stylistically the difference, right? Yeah. I want to praise situational awareness, kind of like Leon Edwards in that fifth round against Kamaru Usman. Uh -huh. If you are truly broken, you don't look for that opportunity that uh, Valentina gave you. And I feel like looking at Alexa, body language and all that, still plenty of fight left in that girl when she found that opening and she sees the moment you can only celebrate it secondly i want to acknowledge we're doing all this talk about john jones goat status and all that right i feel like even though i saw like a thing like every website everyone picked john jones to win like i it was hard to find someone picking cyril gone in terms of the pundits i still feel like talking to people more people gave cyril a chance against john than they gave alexa against valentina yeah, you like, gave Cyril Gunn a chance against John. <laughs> uh, I get it. Anyway, but no, no, for sure. I feel like talking to people, oh, well, it's Valentina. Well, John has to deal with the layoff and the size, and is he this and is he that? And it's like, uh, Alexa, well, if she, you know, it's like, oh, people did not believe this girl was going to get this one done. I'm going to just say it stylistically. I'm not going to lie. It, when I looked at it on paper, this was a big mountain to climb. Maybe a little more so than like a Tyler Santos, if I'm being quite honest with you. Because she's trying to beat Valentina at striking, where most people would say she's the best. And then you factor in Valentina's also going to have the grappling edge. That's like two weapons to one, if we're being honest. And Alexa goes out there, gets it done. Beautiful, inspiring. For obviously Mexico, it's huge. Uh, three title holders. Talk of potentially Irena Aldana fighting for the title. Imagine adding four belts at one time for Mexico. Unbelievable. Um, where are they at with going to Mexico? I don't know. I think a lot of that is timing. So remember, Yair has to wait for Volk. And Volk's the one who says when it's time to go, right? So that's yeah. one. I've heard rumors of Cinco de Mayo maybe bringing it to Vegas because, you know... Canelo's going to be in Mexico. If you could get Brandon Moreno, possibly, but then I have to ask, do you feel like Brandon Moreno, at this stage of the game against Pantoja, could he be the main event alone on a May 5th-ish card? I don't know about that. Um, it'd be a good fight. I think. I think, yeah. like, here's the thing. T-Mobile Arena, though? I mean... Yeah, I think so, right? They, they, I, well, here's what they should do is, you know, go do some outreach and make sure that everyone that, that likes fighting and has a connection or an a, a, affection, um, affinity for Mexico, Latin America, like get them engaged. And, and I think you can you can really 
I think you can, man, but whatever. What do I know? <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think that um, take temperature, but traditionally he's never been a main event guy. No. And he's actually bolstered a lot of bigger cards. But all right, I, that that's beside the point. The fact is, I don't know that they could swing a Cinco de Mayo right off of this. Alexa and Valentina certainly aren't going to. I think that that's going to be maybe late summer, like August, September. Like, if you tell me Valentina and Alexa, too, is the co-main to Chandler and McGregor, I'd say it makes sense. Yeah, honestly. that would be awesome. Yeah, so I, I acknowledge all of those points. So I think that that's more when we're going to see it. It feels like Dana White is committing to, hey, we're going to run. We're going to just run it back. When you look at the flyweight division, Manon Fior still coming off a injury, probably wants to take another fight. Aaron Blanchfield probably gets a Tyla or a Manon. And then we talk about, you know, okay, she's ready. Even Dana White said, Probably one more, then she's there for the title. So I acknowledge all of that. Uh, not for nothing. I thought about Tatiana Suarez, mm -hmm. what she did to Alexa. You telling me that girl doesn't send that text message, hey, just FYI, I'm here and I'll fight it at 25 right now too. Mm -hmm. I think all of this is, you know, in that conversation. But for sure, Valentina, Alexa, I think that that just, when I look at the landscape, if both of them are going in healthy, then yeah, just run it back. I think the timeline just works for everybody. Oh, yeah. Final note. Or sorry, second, you know, two more. Uh, Valentina doesn't get that last ruby. So she doesn't complete her infinity gauntlet. <laughs> and I kind of felt like not for nothing had Valentina done it. Does this not snap half the flyweight division out of existence? It feels like... <laughs> You know, I love my Marvel references, yeah. and I'm like, she was one stone away. If she, okay, let's just pretend. If she defeats Grasso in the rematch, she gets a stone, right? Nope, she, it starts a new belt. Oh, come on, guys. I know. <laughs> uh, I asked John Jones years ago when they first came out with the belt, does, if you, when you win it, does it get reloaded with all your old rubies? He said, no, it only starts from the last one. So, I don't know if you can request that or change it, but... Yeah, to my knowledge, even Amanda, she got a new belt. It didn't start getting added to her old one. So, nah, bro, I would which demand, I prefer. I would if, demand to put it on my old one. If I'm a champ, though, I will say like, okay, well, I don't get a new plate. I get a whole belt again. So. That's true. But yeah, <laughs> I, frustratingly, I feel like that would bother me. Like, oh, uh, it would look. It just looks so nice, right? Dude, so. maybe that's why it didn't happen. Maybe the you know the 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 word the universe the the entities that be that we don't see or know about. They had to step in and give Grasso super submission power so that, you know, something terrible wouldn't happen if Shevchenko got that last ruby. Okay, so, you know, in other words, they, they made an audible and Alexa's the Avengers yes. of the UFC flyweight division. That's right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, uh, secondly, you know, the title of it, you know, she said this at least twice on Saturday night after the fight. You know, they're asking her, oh, like this and that the upset and the submission and uh, all of this other stuff now from mexico and she was like i know imagine that right you know like <laughs> like you you guys all of you guys thought valentina was gonna beat me a lot of people thought valentina yeah. and i'm like and here i am with the belt i joined brandon and yair i'm one of the i'm the champ in this i upset valentina and she's like Imagine that. And she says it in the sweet voice. She, you know, yeah. she, she always has had it. I know. And I was like, you know what? Imagine that. Good for you. So That's a good one, yeah. That's why I stuck with that for the title of the show. Um, yeah, I think that sets up the deck in terms of flyweight. I don't have much more to add on that one. What about you? No, I don't. I, I uh, Except that you mentioned her and so did the commentators. And Tatiana Suarez is just looming in the corner there, even though it's a you know division that she's not intending to fight in right away, but like it's just right there for the taking if she wants it. And there's definitely a case to be made, you know, if she, like if she just raises her hand and says, "I'll take winner," you know, if you do a rematch, Shevchenko Grasso, I'll take winner, like or put me in as a backup, like, and she could, she's just so different to both of them, Grasso and Shevchenko. Like there is a big possibility she could upset that. 
dynamic too. If I'm being very blunt, I want to see Tatiana back in a top five fight already. Yeah. I think that, uh, like, if you told me she was going to get added to the April card in Miami, I'd be like, heck yeah, it just adds to the epicness. I think that um, if, if you ask me, Tatiana wants, like, she wants to try to get the two first. She wants to be someone who gets, like, Wei Lee and Rose on her resume, then moves up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And look, Strawway probably added. When I look at it, it's kind of in that moment of turnover. Where is Rose? Zhang Wei Li is running the table. And, you know, you do have new girls, but they're still kind of on the way up. So I feel like it almost feels like you just have that trifecta Wei Li, Rose, Carla. But now it's going to get turned upside down. Then you have Marina Rodriguez, Jan Shonan. They got to break through and have their moment now. They're close. But I think Tatiana sees it as, hey, I can knock out this twofer and then let's talk about flyweight. It would be a good time if Marina and Jan don't get up to the top also. So I think that that just is where strawweight is right now. And I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I think the next year and a half, two years are going to be very big for who's going to be the queen at the top of that division. But yeah, in terms of flyweight, uh, I think that they're pretty locked in. You got four or five girls between Valentina, Alexa, Tyla, Manon, you know, Aaron. So I think that you're pretty set right there. Yeah, uh, I agree. To talk about the highlights, uh, you know, third from the top, Shavkat, Rachmanov, Jeff Neal. I know a lot of people thought this might just go one way or the other in one-sided fashion. That was just a scrap. Considering that Jeff Neal missed weight by, I believe it was four pounds, mm -hmm. um, the fact that he got fist-to-face -face as often as he did on Shavkat, and Shavkat still went out there, made it physical, then goes out there standing reverse naked, puts him to sleep, I was, quite bluntly, that was just a nasty finish. That was like, even after a war, I'm still going to land the kill shot. Absolutely fun to watch. What about you? Yeah, dude, it was incredible. That's like one of those. You want to show someone what's MMA all about? This is one of the. This is the newest example of of how to show someone how amazing the sport is and all the different levels of skill and toughness and grit and just crazy craziness. They were going back and forth, hurting each other. Just when you thought Jeff Neal was all out of bombs, he would land some. Like it was a crazy fight. That finish, I've never seen anything like it. At first, it kind of just looked like a bro hug, you know, like a really tight bro hug, kind of like when you give someone the, the, the a noogie. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, they show you in the replay when Shavkat brings that leg around and then just pushes his hips forward and arches Jeff Neal in half. That's a sick submission, dude. And, and it's just technically a rear naked choke, right? But it looks like something out of a superhero movie. It was it was crazy. Shavkat is something else, man. He really is, and uh, I really want to see more of him. Jeff Neal was awesome though. Like you can't take it away. Like fight of the night because they both were in there getting after it. Um, I don't like when people miss weight either. It, it 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 upsets me. It pisses me off. But in this case, I'm with Dana White, and and you know respect to him for saying like screw it. You know the guy deserved it. The weight didn't make a difference. I'm giving him the bonus, and and I think that's great. You know. Not for nothing. You know what it was? Freaking the walk-off. I think that's, to me, what stood out to me. Like, he did it. He didn't even, like, he never looked down at Jeff Neal falling. He just no. walked off on it. And I was like, that, hey, that's gangster. Yeah. That was like, like Jessica Andrade-level gangster. Totally. And, you know, you yeah. think of those power slots. Like, I don't watch the power slot, but I see clips of it. They yeah. have, like, that catcher. Yes. <laughs> There's no catcher. Shavkat was like, I'm not catching you, bro. And he just, he just off. slumps off and he just, yeah. he never looked back. He yeah. never looked back. <laughs> I, I loved it. Um, to talk about the future for him, uh, you look at that. Jeff Neal was number seven. He was number nine. They're probably going to switch spots or kind of shuffle that. And yeah. maybe Jeff goes to eight, Shavkat to seven. Um, Gil Stephen Thompson. Num number six doesn't have a fight. Obviously, is coming off that fun fight with uh, Kevin Holland. Bilal Muhammad, I could see Bilal getting that fight, but then it's kind of like that. We got these two elephants in the room. What's up with Colby? And is Hamzat for sure at 185? Uh, because I feel like 
Bilal Muhammad, at this point, the fight's next week. He doesn't even take another fight. Just wait for Kamaru and Leon to handle it and let's go. Yeah. And then even for Hamsat, it, it just feels like there's not enough noise for, you know, Hamsat Colby, Hamsat Bilal. It feels like even he's like, well, let's just forget about this and handle 85. To me, that continues to be shocking because it feels like he is right there, could take a Leon or Kamaru and then just walk straight up to 185 and no one would bat an eye. I think it would be great. I want to know what's going on because if not, if something's going to happen, let's do Shavkat versus Bilal, Shavkat versus Colby. Um, I think he deserves those fights. If if those three guys, Hamzat, Bilal, Colby are all out of the picture for whatever reason, then yeah, let's go Steven Thompson. Fun fight, let's go. What about you? Yeah, I like that. I mean, you you, you always have a, a great matchmaking uh, mind for this stuff, so I, I'm on board with that. I like Steven Thompson um, against Shavkat if, you know, all others doesn't don't shake out. Um, just makes me a little nervous because Shavkat's a killer, and not that Steven isn't, but I love uh, Wonder Boy a lot, and I don't want to see him get finished like Jeff Neal got finished, that's for sure. That's a reasonable fear. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's very <laughs> <Right>? reasonable. <I> <laughs> Um, uh, also not for nothing this convo will probably change after next Saturday we find out who's actually holding it after Leon and Kamaru I'm not gonna lie if Leon Edwards beats Kamaru Usman you can't tell me that Hamza Chimaev will not try to make 170 again stylistically if you're a guy like Hamza how could you not want that fight honestly for the title at this stage of your career I mean, no offense to Leon Edwards or whoever wins, but it would be kind of like easy pickings for, for Hamza, right? Like, Loki, I feel like if Kamaru returns to form, I could be a believer again. I, Hamza, look, Hamza's just a beast. We know yeah. this, but there's a reason Kamaru was on a roll. There's a reason Leon Edwards is here, but I think in particular the Leon fight stylistically after what we saw most recently a guy like Hamzad has to really... Like, the same way Tatiana with Alexa. How could you not really want it? You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. That, that's where I stand on that. Obviously, should be a guy like Bilal. Gilbert Burns, if he, if he defeats Masvidal, should be in consideration. But there's just a lot of pieces, and we need everybody to actually confirm where they're at. That way, we can make some fights. Yeah. I think this is the most confusing time at Welterweight because we have so many big names, but we don't know what they're even necessarily available but yeah Shavkat I want him in that conversation let's go okay and then Dracus Duplessis middleweight gets hurt early by Derek Brunson and it was like is this about to be a rap once again you know just <laughs> like he was in trouble with Darren Till comes back and very you know maybe not Shavkat level nasty but that was a very brutal way to get Derek Brunson out of there gets on top of him Shades of the Jared Cannonier fight for Derek. Like, he was doing well to start, and then it just ends so heartbreakingly. And he's obviously talked about retirement before. He kind of seemed to tease it in the, um, what's it called? Uh, the After the last fight with Cannonier, just yeah. retiring. Uh, but Dracus Duplessis beats a top five opponent on a roll, breath of fresh air. Thoughts on his performance and what we could do next with him? Yeah, that was um, it was a a good finish for Drakus, you know. But it, I I gotta say, to me, it was going back and forth, you know. And I know that he has said, and the commentators were were repeating that, you know, he looks tired, but he's not. It's just that his nose is really, I guess, you know, damaged, plugged up from from getting punched in the face, and so he looked tired for most of the fight to me. But I guess he wasn't, and so. Um, that's probably why it looked more like it was even up in, at, until the very end. You know, Derek Brunson was just doing Derek Brunson, right? Not, not, that's not a knock on him, but he's a, he's reliable. He, he does have heavy punches and he can, you know, has his grappling. So, um, it was, it was a fine fight going back and forth. Drake is, it's a great win for him. Those last punches on the canvas were pretty brutal, and and I do appreciate the towel being thrown in. We wish we could see more of that in MMA. So whether Derek Brunson or is finished or not, you know he's had a great career, and so there's there's only 
there's no shame in, in moving on, right? The the game changes a little bit, or you maybe don't aren't as interested as you were before. Like you know, things happen. Um, but it's a great win by Drakus, and um, I think he's kind of an exciting guy to be watching right now. So very very curious to see where he goes next. Derek Brunson is a big name, you know. It's a kind of a he's kind of gatekeeper status right now, so that's a good win for him. Yeah, I mean, you look at that middleweight division. Uh, Paulo Costa is out there, but Drakus did throw the bucket of cold water on that. Sean Strickland, number seven, coming off a win. Uh, Marvin Vittori and Roman Delizzi are fighting, the winner of that one. Jared Cannonier obviously beat Sean Strickland. So it feels like if I'm Drakus and I honestly am trying to shoot my shot, I'd probably target Jared if Roberts focused on um, Hamzat. And I'll be honest, I think that all of these guys, uh, it's, uh, what is it, March 6th? I think a month from now, all of these guys are going to get booked. Because I think, honestly, if I'm Whitaker at this point, I'm just waiting to see what happens with Adesanya and Pereira. Because if Pereira wins, I don't even bother talking to Hamzat. I feel like I'm right there and I get Pereira next, right? Yeah. I think that's smart business. Adesanya wins. Now we got to talk about Hamzat. Now we talk about... Uh, well, Whitaker already beat Cannoneer, but then we could talk about Drakus and all that. So I think that Whitaker's waiting to see what happens. I think Hamzat's waiting to see what happens with both Pereira and Edwards, particularly. I mean, he probably likes his shot against wrestling Adesanya too, but you get my point. I think he wants to see all of that stuff. So Drakus gets a big fight. Exactly who? We're probably not going to know until next month, which is fine. But what about you? Yeah, I think that's fine too. I mean, just sometimes I, you know, sometimes I'm okay waiting. And this is one of those where I'm like, I'm not in a rush. So yeah, it's fine. Take out all the numbers and rankings and business. Stylistically, you look at those top guys like Whitaker, Cannoneer, Strickland. Who would you want to see Drake's fight? Like, just like as television. Sean Strickland. I think that'd be fun. You know, I feel like... Or did you say take him out? I'm sorry. No, like if for oh, okay. Drake is to fight. For Drake okay, is to fight. Yeah. You like Strickland? I do like Strickland, yeah. You like that fight? Yeah. Low-key, I feel like him and Cannoneer would just bang. Yeah. I feel like that could be fun. I think that would kind of push Drake a little bit in terms of, okay, if Cannoneer gets on top of you, wants to grapple. But then they both got, you know, they're both big and just jacked. Like, both of them are... <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest, even by like pro athlete standards, those dudes are just ripped. They are. You know, so I think that what kind of like Romero, Polo Costa, it would just be like, let's just see them just bang for five minutes. I don't care if they gas out. It would be cool. So I kind of like the cannoneer fight, but that's just me. I just feel like they would just meet in the middle, mutually agree to this. Yeah. Yeah, just stand um, there and say, like, okay, let's go. Yeah, yeah. like uh, Max Holloway, uh, Ricardo Lamas. Ricardo Lamas, gonna yeah, bang. <laughs> exactly. Um, before we move on to some quick news, the Bo Nickel uh, UFC debut um, didn't... Uh, it's kind of like what we predicted. He's going to go, he's going to grapple. The bright lights didn't seem to affect him. I felt like he looked very present and ready in this fight, but the low blow... And I, I got to be honest, I look at that clip, it does look like it landed and he went right into the takedown and the ref just let it go. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it did. But I think, you know, like, let's cut. I would, I think it's fair to cut Bull Nickel a little slack. Like, you're just, you're just moving fast. And if it was really that important, the ref could have stepped in again. Um, but, you know, I think. It wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> Do you think it was an inevitability anyway from what you saw leading up to it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, for sure. That's, but that's, little... that's not fair. I mean, if you're the guy, you're the, you're the other fighter, like that doesn't make you feel any better. But yeah, I think so. No, that's fair. I, I get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, I, I feel a little bit of that too. I think that that's why it's not a bigger deal. I think let's say, for example, that had happened, John, you know, let's say in reverse, Cyril gone to John Jones. I feel like that would have been, uh, we would be up in arms about it today, talking about the refs need to be held to this and that. Yeah. But I think because of the context, it kind of, they let it go with Bo. But um, yeah, I think Jamie Pickett, I think that if you do like a no contest, like you've done to 
Well, not John Jones. He got he took the L, but the fact is, if he has like that, what is he at three and O, four and O now? If instead he goes back to three O and one, no contest, it's not the end of the world. So that's what I think we could see. But yeah, I I also feel like context. I think he was on his way anyway, so it's not going to be made that big of a deal. But if you're Pickett, I get it. It's like, bro, that that landed. Come on. So. Yeah, the, 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 you know, asking for a review and to no contest, like, come on, man, I don't like it. Unless you were really so crippled that you just, you were unable, unable to do anything. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, look, that the whole card was good. Obviously, uh, Mateusz Gamrot is how he said it. So, uh, I know Matus, Mateus, Matusz is, uh, it's like a combination but the fact is, he, on short notice, got past Jalen Turner. That was a good one. Obviously, Cody Garbrandt got back in the win column. Baby Shark Ritchie, Ian Gary. Um, so the prospects looked really good. Cameron Simon, you know, Drake is, uh, pretty much he's been adopted by Drake's Duplessis family as his little brother from South Africa. <laughs> yeah. But pretty much the prospects look good. Um, and obviously, Cody has probably one of the bigger names on the undercard look good so I thought that that was just overall a very solid night on the prelims for MMA what about you I did yeah I, I liked it too you know Cody Garbrandt hearing him tell talk about his personal life leading up to the fight that was surprising he opened up a lot and so I was having extra feelings watching the fight thinking about him and I'm glad he was able to get you know a win because it seemed like um that's something he really needed. And Ian Gary looked great, for sure. Yeah. So it was a good night. I, I think the card definitely, from a broadcast standpoint, from television, lived up to the hype. Jake Gyllenhaal looked fantastic in his UFC debut. <laughs> um, Dude, I saw your Instagram post. Like, I didn't know that that was happening. I saw your post <laughs> first that said, can't wait for Harris, Dalton. I don't know what the, the yeah. card. And I was like, Walt Harris? I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> and then the next, you know, I'm doom scrolling. So the next scroll I see, I was like, that looks like Jake Gyllenhaal. And then I was like, okay, I see what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, I figured, you know, a lot of the MMA people would get it, right? And I have the weigh-in photos, like, oh, they weighed in. It's going to be good, you know? Um, What's funny, I had uh, some friends, God bless them, they're supportive. And they're, they're not into MMA, but they follow and support my stuff. So I appreciate them so much um slightly on the younger side and they were just like that guy look that fighter looks just like jake gyllenhaal <laughs> <laughs> and they'd send me a photo and i was like oh god bless you um but you know I, I thought it was good fun personally um uh i hope that they reshoot some of those fights so they look a little better but uh yeah it was good fun um conor mcgregor still got it he came out for the weigh-ins and when i tell you it was like it's like if you go to a concert and the special guest comes out. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Like you go, like Beyonce brings out Rihanna or okay, Jay-Z. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, wait, what? We're also getting this? It, it, it had that kind of effect. And in true form, he was getting, the people were eating out of the palm of the hand and all that. It was, it was good scenes. It was good fun for sure. I didn't get to be in the arena for Jake's fight. I, I had to be backstage scrumming, but it, it was good fun. Where did yeah. they put the? Where did they put Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal's fight? Where did they slot it in on the real fight? Before the ESPN prelims. So if you were listening to the Megan O'Leary bit on women in UFC, yes, they I were shooting that. it at the time that that was airing for oh, you guys at home. Okay, I was watching that. I was like, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, and it's so long, right? I know, it was really long, yeah. yeah. And my son kept, like, interrupting me, and I was, like, pausing and rewinding. I was like... <laughs> it's like, son, you don't understand. No, just kidding. I know, but, yeah, that's what I think in my head. I just can't say it. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so so that's right. And then, did Conor McGregor film anything, or was he just out there getting the crowd pumped? Uh, way in, he was just getting the crowd pumped. I don't think Conor necessarily had scenes that were necessary while they did all the Jake stuff for Roadhouse. Gotcha. Yeah. But it was good fun. You know, everyone looked the part. I'll say that. Uh, yeah. Clearly. I think USADA needs to talk to Dalton. I mean, yeah, I think Maybe there's some Jake. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're really, they're, 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 there's some fishiness going on, you know? Yep. But anyway, 
That's all. Oh, and definitely, I think Dana, he saw that slap on Friday. He was he was ready to add him to the power slap final this Saturday. You know what I mean? Can you yeah. imagine a Gyllenhaal, Will Smith, like just mm. featured prelim? <laughs> they should just line up a bunch of people to slap Will Smith. That would be fun. No, fun. Will Smith to sm- slap them. I feel like even better. But anyway, <laughs> get, give him a goal that he will want. Yeah, that's anyway. very good. But yeah, it was good stuff, good fun. Um, Quick MMA news. BKFC announces, uh, one, just some craziness for April 29th. I don't have a venue listed, but it's in Denver. Um, Straight up, they signed Luke Rockhold. He's going to be fighting at middleweight against Mike Perry in the main event. And in the co-main, another signee, former UFC and Bellator champion, Eddie Alvarez, taking on Chad Mendez at 165. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fights? But then obviously first, uh, the fact that BKFC opened the checkbook and they brought in these two vets. Yeah, man, I was like, I was so shocked and excited. I was, um, I couldn't believe it. Like to me, it was, you know, I'm a little slow on the news sometimes. And so I'm sure everyone had already seen it by the time I saw it on Instagram. But I was like, what is happening? This is amazing. So man, BKFC, they're very intelligently strategic with their <clears throat> signings, their matchups. This is great i will be watching for sure yeah to me i mean just uh i reiterated it you know a few or i'll reiterate what i said a few weeks ago the fact that combat sports in general has never been better i think particularly from the mma wrinkle of it obviously there's a lot of boxing but you look at ufc and the schedule they have right now what's going on in bellator what's going on in pfl uh, one championship coming to the U.S. and stacking events pretty soon. And then you have all this little stuff. You have the Jake Paul stuff. You have the BKFC is making moves and having fights like these guys. I think it's just huge. Uh, for Luke Rockhold, secure the bag. Awesome. I'm sure they paid a good chunk of change for him. He's got the size on Mike Perry, but now it's just boxing. A lot of his game utilizes his other weapons, so I am a little surprised there, but... Okay, we probably have a fun scrap. Chad and Eddie is Chad and Eddie. I don't got to sell you on that. I think both built the same, shorter, stockier guys, going to throw hands with bare knuckle. Love it. I think it's just great. So put it all together. I like seeing the vets get paid. I like just having more stuff that we could dissect. Even if I don't get around to it, I get it. When these things fall, fights get lost all the time, right? Multiple events a year, you got to prioritize something. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that it's great that you have so many options if you're a fan. I think it's awesome. Um, you know what? Uh, uh, let me ask you real quick before we move on. Is this bigger than like, let's say Paige Van Zant in BKFC, like fighting? Yeah. So no, no offense to Paige Van Zant and, um, and Ostevich. This is definitely bigger. I mean, they're, I know that Paige Van Zant's social media numbers are probably bananas and we don't even know what her outreach really is. But as far as guaranteed bang for your buck, I mean, you know, you're going to get that with Eddie Alvarez and Chad Mendes alone. Then Mike Perry, it doesn't matter who he fights. He can fight a chair. It's going to be awesome. Well, it's going to be entertaining against the chair against Luke Rockhold. It'll be awesome. So I think it is definitely bigger and better but but that's what's great about the bkfc trajectory it reminds me of bellator when scott coker started and they were doing the kimbo slice uh you know shamrock uh, gracie stuff you know getting big names that weren't necessarily going to give you the best fights but you're getting eyeballs and you're building your brand i think they did that with Paige van zandt we probably expected that she would perform better it just didn't work out that way it's just not her thing it is what it is um but it did help expose the brand further it did help grow the brand it helped convince bigger names that this was a place to be mike perry did that too though let's give him some credit maybe more credit um and so i think this will be bigger for sure and just you know you're recapping everything that's happening in combat sports right now all the different promotions and places we have i didn't want to forget jorge masvidal and gamebred fighting because that card is pretty pretty cool too i just don't remember i think april 1st is when it's coming yeah, I mean, this is a big month for everybody in general. It's yeah. going to be coming up, so I absolutely appreciate it. I think it's going to be a really lot of fun, just straight up. 
Um, and this Saturday we have, okay, so this weekend we have a full slate of fights. So Friday, real quick, Usman Nurmagomedov, Benson Henderson. You know, Natalie, I just, when I think about that performance that Usman had to win the title against a veteran in Patricky, I think about all the experience behind Benson, the fact that he's on a roll right now. It seems like he's just kind of making his last run. I, I just love it. To be quite honest with you, I think it's a good fight. I think it's fun. Um, obviously, youth is on Usman's side. Experience is on Benson's. What do you think? Exactly that. It, you know, that's the that's the matchup. That's what we're going to expect in the cage. Whose who's strategy, whose, um, you know, whose place in the world will benefit them more, youth or experience at this point and that moment in time. It is always a pleasure to see Benson Henderson fight. The man is ageless and always in a good mood. So, man, I would love for him to walk away with another belt. And uh, it's a tough one, though, so we'll see. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, getting things announced. Getting the Patricky and AJ McKee fight announced would be big. I'm getting the impression they're, they want to push it back further, which I'm like, um, are we not trying to get this? But... You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint with a tournament, so here we go. And then finally, obviously, on Saturday, we have... uh, So, the UFC, for those who are confused, I've been told that the plan is that UFC will run in the morning at the theater at the Virgin Hotel, which I believe used to be the Pearl at the Palms. Okay. So, I think for... uh, I got to confirm that, but I believe that is... Essentially, it's been renovated, facelift, gets a new name. Okay. Then at night, they have all the power slap stuff. So when you're trying to figure out what is UFC promoting for Saturday, I have been told they will not run concurrently. I think even technically speaking that the Palm stuff will end. They'll do the media and then things will kind of kick off more or less for prelims of power slap after that. So, Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's UFC, then power slap for fans wondering how are they going to split it. But no fights will actually be running at the same time secondly obviously let's talk about ufc bantamweight fight five rounds high stakes peter yan marab devalishvili the thing i keep coming back to big opportunity for both guys i think the easier one is for marab eight fight win streak staying busy great grappling clearly just very stocky powerful guy he's won a couple firefights now in the ufc He's kind of just hitting his stride and whatever happens with Aljamain, if Aljamain moves up or whatever, I feel like he's doing everything to say, hey, I'm beating everybody that Aljamain isn't getting. And that's just where I'm at. I don't know how long, personally speaking, he could be happy with that because like everybody else, he has a window too. So I think he is kind of like, you have to really start talking about how bad do you want a title if you're Marab, but he's got to get past Saturday I think this is a big fight for him stylistically with the wrestling works. Peter Yan, I know it hasn't gone his way the last few times. He looked good against Sanhagen. He was competitive against Aljamain. He was that was razor close against Sean O'Malley. This guy is still a threat for everybody. And what I like about this fight for him, he gets a chance. He beats Marab Davalishvili. He's right back on the short list, if you ask me. If Henry Cejudo wins the title. If Sean O'Malley wins the title, um, Chito Vera, uh, Corey Sanhagen, he beats Marab. He is automatically right back there on the shortlist for a title shot. So I think it's big for him that he gets this particular matchup over, let's say, a Rob Font, for example, or someone else who's more to the middle of the pack of the top 10. You know what I mean? So yeah. I really like it in that way. And then once again, I just love his style. I think if he could keep it on the feet, find his spots. I don't think that Marab is going to try to be have a technical battle. So I do think that it's just more about avoid the hammers, avoid the takedowns, and then pick my spots and be Peter No Mercy on. I think it makes for a fun fight. Yeah, I think uh, No Mercy is what we're going to see. He, this is a very important moment for him to get back on the swing the winning side of things you know i think i do think he beat sean o'malley but it doesn't matter he didn't get the nod and so i really think he's gonna come out and just be the ice the ice man so 
Marab, obviously very talented, extremely talented and skilled. We know that Aljo will never fight Marab. And so the timing kind of works out here. Let's just say Aljo beats Cejudo. Maybe that'll be his last fight and he moves up. And then that opens the door for everybody, including Marab, to to take the throne. So a lot of high stakes here. Just hearing you list off the names of the other fighters at 135, it's a freaking exciting division, man. It really is. And Cheeto and Sanhagen, O'Malley, Jan, Marab. This is, a, this is a special one right now. It's a good time to be in an advancing weight division. So I think Piotr Jan is going to be able to just stock power. Uh, and will he finish him? No. I think it'll be a decision. But I think Piotr Jan will get his hand raised. All right. There you go. Yeah, I think it's going to make for a lot of fun. Um, obviously, uh, we probably won't know the next. Uh, I mean, we're kind of in this uh, locked in. Um, if they fight in May, Aljo and Henry, as they seem to keep facing off without a fight, <laughs> um, I think they will find out there. But yeah, for sure, there's high stakes in this one. And who gets what, we'll find out after this month, because obviously Cheeto and Corey will fight too. So it just makes for a lot more intrigue, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, um, Natalie, can you believe it? Next week, we're already back at a pay-per-view week. Usman Edwards 3... Gaethje versus Fazeev. What are your thoughts as we head into it? This is so great, man. This Usman-Edwards matchup is very exciting to me, obviously, because we all know why, the way it ended. And uh, Fazeev, I've always loved the way he fights. Gaethje, this is his moment to, you know, remind everybody that he should remain at the very top of this uh, lightweight division and should still be uh, in the conversations for title uh, shots. So big, big, big fight for both uh for all four fighters, really. So straight up, I feel like the intrigue, like the mystery is in the main event. What do we get from Usman? What do we get from Leon? Yeah. Is it the same? Is it different? The co-main event to me is like, okay, like you know what you're getting out of that. They're going to bang. They're, gonna They're bang. dynamic. Yep. And so I think as a set, that's good. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little... Uh, and I don't want to harp on it next week because obviously the guys show up to and girls show up to bang. But... I think that the London card timing just kind of hurt this one because you think about, okay, one, Darren Till just got released and he, he took the loss in December. Uh, Patty Pimblett hurt the ankle. He's out a while. Molly McCann said she's out. Tom Aspinall is still on the mend. Arnold Allen <laughs> hurt himself and he can't fight on the card. Yeah. And it's like all of these great options, English options, <laughs> And the majority of them are hurt. And I was like, speaking from experience, those fans do show up. Like, in a way that's just very different from our part of the world, if you've been to a bunch of events. I'm a little disappointed for them that the guys and girls don't get to have that night. But I do think it's still going to pop off. I think you get a little alcohol flowing, (laughs) you throw a few punches, it's still going to be another great night. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, for for sure. Yeah. But guys, thank you for hanging on. It's been a great show, a long show. Remember, like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week.